0: Hello and welcome to Quick Looks, episode number six. Uh, Quick Looks is uh, proud to be sponsored by Gamesurplus.com. If you find yourself fancying any of the titles that we're discussing today, go on over to Gamesurplus.com and find out why they are my first and favorite choice whenever I'm purchasing a board game. They have super fast shipping, phenomenal customer service. Uh, they, are, uh, they have an ability to track down games that you're looking for that are hard to find, uh, difficult to find imports. Uh, you ask Velma to find it, and she will track it down for you. So go and check out gamesurplus.com. And if you do, please be sure to tell them that The Long sent you belong view also is part of the dice tower network so go and check out all that the dice tower has to offer there's tons of great sister podcasts in the network plus of course news and reviews from eric and tom and z and everyone else in the gang there so go and check out dicetower.com and see what they have to offer you I also, of course, want to give a shout-out to my local game store, The Gamer's Edge, in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, Lloyd and I are there every Monday night running through demos. Uh, This past week, we were playing Spyfall, which we talked about in our last episode, and everyone there had a blast. They have a huge selection of board games and card games, CCGs, vintage video games, new video games, comic books, you name it, they've got it. Come and see why The Gamer's Edge is a growing resource in the northeastern PA region. And if you do stop by, please be sure to tell them that The Longview sent you. My name is Jeff Gamble, and as always, I am pleased to be joined by my co-host for Quick Looks episodes, and uh, uh, Lloyd, I'm going to ask you to say hello as someone who has been uh, lost in the Sahara Desert for weeks and is on the verge of death.
1: Uh, hello. hello, could, could you spare a few
0: drops of water? Very nice, very nice. Okay, all right. I like that. I like that. Have that some good acting there. Very good. Very good. He's Thanks. not only a drummer, folks. He's also apparently a uh, a, a actor as well, as evidenced by his playing Spyfall. So, uh,
1: way to go there, Lloyd. Uh, nice to have you on the show again. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. And no, I wasn't a great actor last night because when I was the spy, everybody freaking <laughs> knew <laughs> I didn't last beyond the question that I was asked. It was awful. <laughs> really, but at any rate, your answer was you were terrible. The, it was terrible, and you were the only one that made it eight yeah, minutes yeah. without getting discovered. Eight
0: minutes, I didn't get to. I didn't yeah. get discovered. Robin was on to me, but he couldn't quite get everybody else to agree. And pull the trigger so uh yeah you know Spyfall continues to be just a, a fun game great game really enjoyable and so uh there was a, a little kid who comes to the game uh, store on monday nights and it was his birthday uh his ninth birthday and so we brought a lot of light games and we brought Spyfall, at let him check that out he did a pretty good job actually so yeah. uh it was fun to play with uh him and his mom and everybody else who was there so
1: he had the best uh, answer of the night as i remember yes he did what was something we were in the theater and he knew we were in the theater and uh and Victor asked him something. What was your favorite part tonight? And he said something like, when the beating heart was cut out or something like that. And <laughs> yeah, we right, lost right. it. It was great. That's right. That's it right. That right. was, was, was good. the, best the beating heart all was all cut night. out.
0: I don't know what that was all about, but that was a good answer. So, uh, yeah, you know, Spyfall <laughs> is a game that continues to impress. But that's not what we're here to talk about tonight. So, first up, we're going to be uh, taking a look at uh, the new game from uh, Artipia Games, which is called uh, Tesla versus Edison, The War of Currents. And then after that, we're going to be taking a look at uh, Discoveries, which is the latest game from the uh, creators of Lewis and Clark and kind of in that Lewis and Clark family. And so without any further ado, let's get on with the reviews. So, for the first game tonight, we're going to be taking a look at Tesla versus Edison, The War of Currents. This is a game that was released in 2015. Uh, The designer is listed as Dirk Niemeyer. Uh, The artist is uh, uh, Heiko Gunther and Jessica Riola. Uh, This is a game that was uh, put out by Artana and uh, uh, Geochicks.it over in Italy as well. Uh, This is a game for two to five players. Uh, ages 14 and up is what's recommended although my son played it with us and actually uh, did, he came in second right so he yeah, did quite he totally well Yeah, he beat me uh, he did quite well so um, you know I think that that 14 and up might be just uh, simply a, a fact of Uh, You know, component testing things, you know Um, I've heard from, uh, you know, various publishers that, you know If you list it for under, I think, 12 Then every component has to be tested Like if it can be licked or swallowed or whatever (laughs) Um, You know, uh, what kind of choking hazard it is and whatnot And so sometimes, you know, I know games are, are tagged for a certain age and up uh, and I think sometimes it's it 's uh, because of that that kind of the cost of the rigorous testing that has to go in to having a game f- uh, that that would be listed for children or younger and i don 't know if that 's the case here i 'm just saying that uh, my son, who is a gamer. Um, You know, he's 10, almost 11, and he had no problem understanding the game. So, uh, and, you know, came in second in uh, the one game that we played. So, uh, you know, I think that the game can be played if you have kids who are into gaming uh, by younger kids, definitely younger than 14. So uh, I I think really the biggest um, thing to say about that when you're looking at uh, the number of players and the age of players is whether or not they can kind of wrap their mind around a stock game. You know, Mm -hmm. this idea of I'm going to be doing well even if my company is not doing awesome, if I have enough stock in companies that are doing awesome kind of a thing. Like, if, if they can wrap their mind around that, I think they can play the game. Um, you know, the rest of it is, is kind of stuff we've seen before, root building and things that, you know, I think most gamers are pretty familiar with. So, that little caveat about age aside. Um, so, Tesla versus Edison is a game that kind of got my attention because of the theme. So... Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up learning that Edison was kind of, you know, I mean, he's the genius of Menlo Park and is, you know, the greatest American inventor ever and is the father of, you know, the phonograph, it's, you know, uh, the light bulb, the, all of these great things and these wondrous inventions that, you know, we all have come to know and love. Um, later on, as a, as a young adult... I actually started hearing about this guy Tesla, and I really kind of became fascinated with him and did a little reading about him and and learned some things like, you know, Tesla worked for Edison for a time and that, you know, Tesla actually is kind of more responsible for the electricity we use today than Edison is because um, Edison was a proponent of what's called DC or direct current, and Tesla was the kind of person who came up with and, and was a proponent for what's called alternating current. And for those of you out there, um, you know my basic understanding is this: DC and AC both work just fine. Um, the, the differences are is that DC has a lower transmission range. So DC can only be transmitted so far from a power station before it begins to lose power. Whereas AC, can be sent at much higher voltages uh, and over huge distances. And so AC is kind of what we ended up going with because as a country, if we went with DC, we would have tons of power plants everywhere. I mean, you would have to have a power plant, I think they said like every 10 blocks or something,
1: yeah, something uh, for to power like New that.
0: York City. You'd have to have a, a, a power station. So. Um, And, you know, to give Edison credit, I mean, he did eventually uh, recognize and understand that that AC was the way to go. Um, And, you know, he uh, eventually kind of, he and and Morgan, I believe it was, um, ended up kind of buying out uh, Westinghouse and Tesla, who had AC and kind of that, that ended up being the dominant Form of energy uh, in our country, and I think pretty much around the world, if if I'm remembering correctly here. Um, But because it was kind of Edison who was kind of in the front there, everybody kind of just assumed that you know AC was Edison's design and Edison's idea. And so when I saw this game and heard that it was going to kind of talk a little bit about or be kind of modeled on that competition, I thought, ooh, you know, this will be cool. Uh, I also have to give a little tip of the hat to the History Channel. Uh, because the History Channel had a a television show called The Men Who Made America, and uh, it talked quite a lot about Edison and uh, J.P. Morgan. Now, you know, it's a a very light history show, uh, and it has that wonderful new, I'm being sarcastic here, annoying kind of habit of when you go to a commercial and come back, the first forty-five seconds is a review of what you saw five minutes ago, as if you can't remember, like you are a goldfish swimming in a bowl. Like, hey, nice castle, you know? You look at, oh, whoa, look at that castle, you know? I, I don't know; it's it's kind of stra- It's it's kind of annoying, but and it's it's highly romanticized, I think, in a lot of ways. But it does give some good information, and so some of my knowledge base came from that as well. So, you know, some some good stuff there on that show. And uh, if you like a kind of a light history uh, history show put in a palatable way. Uh, that's a really interesting show because it not only talks about Edison and Morgan and Tesla, it talks about Rockefeller, it talks about Carnegie, it talks about Vanderbilt and all of these these kind of icons of American business uh, or robber barons, depending on how you want to think of them. And it's a really kind of a fun show. And I think it's on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, you can kind of check that out. Um, so all of this kind of percolates in my mind and get me really interested in the theme of Tesla versus Edison. And so Um, imagine how happy I was you know I opened up and there's a George Westinghouse card and you know, there's uh, all of these uh, other kind of luminaries, they're called. And so you, as the player in this game, are going to take on the role of one of five great inventors that all were kind of working in electricity at that time. And, of course, the two biggies are Tesla and Edison. There are others as well. There's Brush and there's... Uh, who was the Maxim, other guy? The Ma- yeah, Brush and, and Maxim. Uh, and- Thompson. Thompson, yeah. I think, it's, I think, I think those are the, the other five. three. And so um, you're going to kind of take one of those inventors, and you're going to take sort of the uh, director's share of the stock in that company, and you are going to then try to uh, end up with the most valuable stock portfolio, which is very interesting. So it's not necessarily about you having, you know, being in first place as, you know, Tesla or you being in first place as uh, Edison or, or whoever. It has to do with how much stock do you own. And when you add it all up, is your stock portfolio the most valuable? Right. So that's kind of a a difference. That was kind of a little surprising to me how much of a stock game this was. But it also offers some other interesting kind of what-if sort of scenarios because in the game, what you're going to be trying to do is advance your technology in three key different areas. You have AC technology, you have DC technology, and then you have what's called bulb technology. And that's kind of the technology of the light bulbs that, of course, are going to be used, you know, I mean, uh, Tesla and Westinghouse, you know, lit up the World's Fair and, you know, just just thousands and thousands of bulbs and it was kind of the first real kind of electrified kind of world Fair. Um, and so bulbs were very important. You know, I mean, this is kind of what was going to enable the country to uh, not only. Uh, Look pretty at night, but be productive at night and continue Mm -hmm. to work at night and continue to read and and better yourself at night. And all of these things now are opened up. Right. And so bulb technology is also really important. And then you have sort of a second half of the main board that is all about it's showing like a map and it shows different historic cities in uh, North America And what you're trying to do is you're trying to build the power stations there. You're trying to electrify those cities using your technology, whether it's AC or DC or or what have you. And so some cities are very small and they require level one technology, real basic technology. Some of the bigger cities like New York, Philadelphia, those, those require level four, level three technology, right? So you're going to need better and better technology. So Half of the game sort of seems focused on trying to improve your position in the technology tracks to make sure that you can actually build in those locations. And the other half is this network building, blocking, trying to kind of uh, nail down uh, different cities and supply them with electricity because as you're doing that, that directly translates to stock jumps for you and your company. And so those are kind of the two main things. Then you have a, a tertiary thing that's going on, which is propaganda. And propaganda has everything to do with the sort of fame or the renown of the technology of AC and DC, but also the fame and renown of your company, right? So you're going to be kind of jockeying for position largely using propaganda actions to boost the sort of fame and popularity of the technologies like AC or DC, or to boost your fame, okay? and these are also going to translate to stock gains or possibly stock losses during the course of the game. So there's really two dominant areas and then this kind of tertiary area, which is really interesting because you can't ignore it um, by any stretch of the imagination, and it can be very important, but it's kind of like this, I think the first few times you play it, it's almost like an afterthought. You know, I think a lot of times when we first played, the first two times we played, Lloyd, we didn't think, we didn't use many propaganda actions, did we?
1: Not really. The second time we played, I used propaganda mostly to get more income.
0: Right, right. And
1: I did it once or twice, you know, to, to bump myself and my company up on that company track so that I would stay in first place. But you used it very effectively to stay up on that AC track. Right. Where you were getting plus two to your shares every time you built a city. Right. And that's pretty much what won you that game.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I ended up using that propaganda track quite a bit, as Lloyd's describing, just to kind of keep the AC fame up high. And I was actually playing as Edison, which is one of the fun things about the game is, you know, you can kind of do those what if scenarios, you know, like what if Edison, you know, hadn't ignored Tesla because Tesla wasn't even in the game we played. So what if it what if Edison had hadn't ignored Tesla and went hard after AC when Tesla kind of brought it to him and said, hey, check this out. So, you know, Edison, I think, was convinced that it was going to be too dangerous. The voltages were too high, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so he kind of dismissed Tesla uh, but what if you hadn't? So that was kind of fun to play out. Um, so, you know, you can use propaganda very effectively because as you build these cities, as you power these cities and build the infrastructure, the power plants, distribution, uh, all that fun stuff, um, that translates to stock gains. And if AC is this hot technology or DC is this hot technology, then you're actually going to go up even more. Um, I had for a good portion of the game... I kept AC in the in what's called the plus two position, which means if I'm supposed to get a stock jump of four, now I get six. If I'm supposed to get a jump of five, I get seven. So uh, in, in game terms, that's pretty big. It's pretty huge. And, um, you know, because of how the cards played out, because of when I timed that, uh, there weren't really very many opportunities uh, in that particular game with Lloyd and Carter where they could really knock it down where I couldn't then just bump it right back up again. So... Uh, That was kind of an interesting kind of a thing as well. Uh, And we'll talk about that more, Lloyd, when we get to strategy. Um, So every turn, what you're going to do is you are going to uh, use one of your luminaries, okay? Um, Luminaries are gained through auctions. So the game starts off, as I said, where you have a company. It's one of these great inventors, and you have your director share a stock, and you have some cash. And the first thing that's going to happen is a a flop of these luminaries are going to come up on the table. And everyone is going to have the chance to bid for the services. I kind of look at it as hiring one of these luminaries, right? Uh, or convincing them to invest in your company or whatnot, and luminaries and inventors are all kind of rated in four different areas. They're rated in uh, what what I'm looking at is like electricity. Or it's a lightning bolt symbol, which kind of means like their uh, inventiveness, and then they're rated in uh, gears, okay, which is kind of like their ability to like craft and make prototypes and they're manufacturing. What's, yeah, their manufacturing, like what what's their hands-on kind of capabilities. Uh, And then you have a dollar sign symbol, which is, like, what's their funding? Like, did they come from a wealthy family? Did they have a lot of financial backing or not? And then, of course, you have the last, which is propaganda. Like, how good are you at selling your own product, at selling your ideas? And so uh, Tesla, for example, is rated ridiculously high. It's rated a 3, which is as high as you can go in inventiveness, and a 2, and propaganda, but he has no money. Like he has he's no money. Flat broke. Yeah. Flat broke, right? Um, he has no ability to, to really have any cash. And so, you know, that opens up some other interesting ideas in the game because if I'm playing Tesla, the first thing I'm looking for is a luminary who's got some capital, right, who's got some money. Because if I don't get him um, or her, because there are some female luminaries in here, which was nice to see, um, if I don't get uh, uh, her or if I don't get him... What's going to happen is I'm going to be able to sort of advance up those tech tracks, but I'm not going to be able to do what's called buying patents. And each of these tech levels that I talked about, AC, DC, and bulbs, for each level, you start at level one, you go all the way to level five, although DC caps out at level four. Four, Um, So bulbs and AC go to five. Each of these different levels, we all start at one. So for two, three, four, and five, there's a patent available available for each of those technologies. And if you have the financial kind of backing, not only can you develop the technology, but you can patent it. And if you patent it, then players who use it later are going to have to pay you cash to use your technology because you patented it. So I thought that was really kind of nifty as well. So, you know, you might be handicapping yourself a little bit if you, if you take Tesla, but every single um, inventor has some sort of a distinct advantage that is useful
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and each of them is rated poorly in at least one or two areas. And so nobody can really do it on their own. I think the best one is Edison. Edison seems the most balanced. He's kind of got twos and ones everywhere, Um, whereas Tesla has that huge gap. Um, he has gaps, I think, in gears. I think his gears is only one. And I think he has Zippo and money, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so, you know, you got to kind of. And they all, if you add up the values, I'm pretty positive. Lloyd, they all add up to the same thing, the same sum on all of the cards. Think they it's all something I noticed. To six. Yeah. yeah, something like that. It's either six or seven or something like that. So, I think that was one of the things that the designers did to kind of try to balance uh, the different uh, um, cards. So, and it also, as I said, gives you a direction for that auction. So, at the start of the uh, round at the first round you're going to have that auction for luminaries you're going to recruit some help okay you're also going to have an auction again at the start of round 3 and then again at the start of round 5 so you're going to have three opportunities in total to get some help and that also kind of ramps the game up in an interesting way because going back to what i started with every turn you're going to flip one or possibly more of your luminaries in order to take an action on the main board. So, what are the actions you can take? Um, you can build a city, okay, in which case you might want to exhaust a luminary who has uh, a monetary value because they're going to give you a discount, okay? You can um, advance in a technology, and this is where you could exhaust more than one luminary um, in order to kind of jump up more than one level. It's possible for you to jump two. Uh, You can also uh, exhaust a luminary and take a stock action. And if it's one of those money guys, they can get you a discount there as well. And finally, what you can do is you can take a propaganda action. And that's where you're going to get to look at a display of propaganda cards. You're going to get to select one and execute its effects. Uh, Those propaganda cards most of the time are going to get you money. They're going to allow you to move up in the turn order track or they're going to allow you to move up in the AC-DC track or you know however you want to go, whether you want to move up in AC or, uh, or up in uh, uh, DC. So you take your turn by flipping your luminary and doing your action. So at the start of the game, you really only have the capability of doing a maximum of two things in that whole round. And then the second round is the same. The third round, now you have a third luminary, Right. And then in the fifth round, you end up betting a fourth luminary. And so uh, the game kind of escalates nicely, and it proceeds at a snappy pace, which is really kind of nice. And so through taking your actions and uh, through timing when you're going to do things... Uh, and choosing whether or not you're going to try and max out on your technologies or whether you're going to try and get a lot of patents or whether you're going to try to be the builder or whatever you end up doing or whether you're just going to try to be a money guy you know and sit back and just buy stock you know just accumulate as much money as you can hey i'm going to take this propaganda card not because i care whether ac or dc is is uh, the most popular or the most famous but because it gives me ten thousand dollars and that's going to help me buy another share of stock because a lot of times this game, the stock shares are very even. And what I mean by that is the players always seem to end up with roughly the same number of stocks. Um, if one person buys a share, that kind of pushes the table that they need to buy a share. Because since your endgame score is the value of your portfolio, even a middling share... It is. It can very easily be the dis uh, the difference between winning and losing, or you know, second place and first place, or or you know, third and second, or whatever. Right. So, making sure that the stock portfolios stay balanced in number is really important because if you let someone get like a two share advantage, I even if it's a a fairly crummy company, that's still two shares at the end that might be only trading at you know fifty dollars a share. But that's still going to be 100 uh, as opposed to your one share which capped out at 71 and you're like, woo, you know, I I did awesome. And that would be awesome in the game, all right, if you could cap out at 70 or something. But that's only one share and 70 is not 100. No, <laughs> so, not. you know, I mean, there's some interesting things that you can do. And, and one of the things that I've enjoyed about the game is trying out different strategies like that. Um, and so... That is, is kind of a basic of, of how the game is played, how you win, what the kind of key components and elements of the gameplay are. So I've kind of talked a lot on this one, Lloyd. So basically what I want to do is I want to turn it over to you and have you maybe talk a little bit about uh, how you feel about the game, what you like about it, maybe what you don't like it uh, about it. And uh, you know, just kind of try to explain it uh, you know, from your point of view.
1: Oh, Sure. Uh, this this one i managed to play twice now with you, and both times that we played it, it's been a three-player game. Mm-hmm. And I guess I would say that my initial thought of this game is I'm not sure if I like it yet. Because in a three-player game, there is very clearly a runaway leader. And it ended up being you both times. Yes. Uh, because the first time... Because I'm awesome. Be, well, no... <laughs> Not really. Yes. <laughs> no, just because you were trying something different than the other two people. That's right. Um, so I'm creative is what you're saying. So you're yes, you're creative. <laughs> you're creative with your light bulbs. Apparently. Yeah, yeah. Um, But so the, the first time we played it, uh, we spent a lot of time um, just building those cities. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you were the only person that really kind of rushed up really high on those technology tracks. Right. And even though... You didn't buy a lot of the patents. Right. You were still high enough in those technology tracks that by the end of the game, you were the only one that could go into those level four and level five cities. Yeah, the level
0: fives, yeah.
1: And there are a few level five cities on the board that are the smallest possible town you can build. But when you cover it, you get double of the value of your stock. Well,
0: double the share jump. Double the share jump. So normally it would be four and it ends up being
1: eight. Eight. And if you had managed to somehow keep AC or DC, whatever you used in that plus two, you would actually be at a share jump of 12.
0: Right. From 10 or or something like that. Yeah, depending on it. Yeah.
1: Depending on it. So
0: I think it would be 10 would be the max because it's four, doubled would be the eight, and then the two more would be for your 10, right? I don't think you could go up 12.
1: Well, if you're doubling the value, if you're getting six total... The four plus the two, and you double that.
0: Oh, that's you interesting. Get well, there's our first real discussion about huh. whether or not that's <laughs> – uh, I don't know what the rule is on that. I don't it's, know, it's but double.
1: That, we let Carter do it too.
0: Yeah, we did, didn't so. we? Yeah, because the, the rules weren't really clear on that point, at least not that I could find. I'm not saying yeah. that they're not in there. I'm just saying I couldn't find whether you added in that ACDC bonus first And then doubled it, or whether it was added in at the end. And so that's kind of what I think Lloyd and I are sort of disagreeing about. But anyway, uh, I'm sure someone will be able to kind of clarify that uh, on the forums uh, if they haven't already.
1: So I definitely felt that you know, in a three-player game, it's very important for those players, especially looking at that stock track, the the players who are not in first place, part of their job is almost to keep that first-place company in check. Mm-hmm. because we let you completely run away that first game with it. Yeah, yeah. And even the second time that we played, Carter and I had developed a slightly different strategy from the first time. You tried something totally different. And again, y- your stock value was twice <laughs> uh, twice what ours was almost by the beginning of that third turn. It's because I'm awesome. And now it's just because you tried something different. <laughs> And so I, I'm not entirely sure whether I like the game yet. Right. But we had also talked about... That there the may be balance. a problem, yeah. There, there's a there problem with three-player game. There might be a three player problem with, yeah. with the three-player game because if you're looking, the, the way the technology trees in this game work, you know, you talked about the AC and then the DC and then the light bulb. When you go into and build a power plant in a city you need to have a level of light bulb equal to or greater than the level of the city. Right. And then your choice of either AC or DC at the level or higher to be able to build. So if I'm going into a level 3 city, I need at least a level 3 light bulb and either level 3 in AC or level 3 in DC. Right. Now, that might not seem that important as you're listening, but in a three-player game, if... Two people are heavily invested in, say, the AC current. Right. And the third player is the only one invested in the DC meaning current. You. Meaning Meaning yeah. me. Yeah. Shut it. <laughs> I was trying something different. So that meant that for most of the game, Jeff and Carter were trying to keep on the fame track. They were trying for to AC. keep AC as the most dominant type of current. And there were points in the game where I actually built a city and I lost share value because of how important AC was. On that AC track, it starts off in a neutral position, but if you go one step towards AC, AC now adds plus one share. Mm -hmm. If you move another step, AC gets plus two share, and anybody that uses DC gets minus one to their shares. Right. And then when you move up to the highest position, it's plus two for AC and minus two for DC. Is it minus so two? I thought it was minus two. No, one. it's minus two. It's minus two. Yeah. Because I built a level one city and I only jumped up two shares. That was it. <laughs> it's a level. You're supposed to jump up by four. I went up two you shares. Went up two. The shares dose. And it, it, the dose. And so you know, it, it was really, it was really tough because so much of the game. Yeah relies on that track because at the end of each phase, every two rounds, at the end of each phase, you do this scoring that's based on who has the highest technology in the dominant, right. either which AC was or DC, was which is Carter. And that gives you an automatic bump to your stock every time. Right. So unless you're able to do that kind of push and pull and keep the fame pretty neutral on ACDC. In a three-player game, it was just, it was really tough. Yeah, yeah. And I felt for the most part, uh, especially the second game we played, I felt for the most part that I was playing a one-person game against two people who were kind of working together. Right,
0: if right. If that makes any
1: sense. Right, so one so, who was stepping
0: on your neck and the other punching you in the gut. Uh, right, Right, yeah. right.
1: And it, it, was, it was definitely a tough game. Now, this does play up to five. Yeah. So We haven't done a 5. We haven't done a 5. We haven't even done a 4 yet. Right. But I have a feeling that that in a 3-player game, that's the only time you're going to really get that kind of uneven push and pull. As soon as you hit 4 players, well unless somebody's really being mean about it and they jump up with the other two players who are right, already right, doing right. AC you, know, you might want to c- creep down with right. one of your opponents and even it out so there's two on AC two on DC
0: but you know don't you think that DC is kind of a little inherently devalued though cuz DC only take you to 4 it you does can't only take do you any fives. Four. you know with with DC you know and and I don't know whether that's a, a my suspicion is that's a design reflection of reality which is that eventually AC kind of won, right. but in terms of the game, having DC only go to four is, is, is interesting. You know, It kind of de-incentivizes people investing, I think, sometimes in DC. And so you kind of have that double whammy. I think with any odd player count, yeah. I'm a little worried that that track, that AC-DC fame track, is going to be pulled. Now, in a five-player game, I think there's going to be so much competition for space on the board, people might not have the desire to use luminaries to take a propaganda action. And so as long as it's not killing them, right. they may just let it go. But, you know, as, as far as the strategy goes of, of pegging that thing to the highest value that you can and knowing that Carter has no incentive since he's invested in AC as well to ping that mm-hmm. – you know, other than just, you know, being a team player with you and trying to keep me down. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and he's thinking, well, it's, it's just as much of an advantage to me as it is to, to dad. And so he just rode that horse too. And yeah, so he did. I think that might be a problem with definitely, I think it's a problem for the three player. Um, and uh, I did play at four player, and that did even things out a little bit. Okay. okay? Uh, because we ended up, as you said, with two people invested in DC, two people invested in AC. The only other kind of things that I see as kind of possibilities why that may have made that through playtesting, I mean, because I'm I'm always willing to give uh, the benefit of the doubt, um, you know, to the designers that they've considered this. And two of the things that, that pop into my head is, is it the game's fault if you don't jump ship on DC as soon as you see the other two players are investing in AC. You know what I mean? Like, so did you waste an action? Yes, you wasted an action taking that first jump in DC. Okay, I'm going to use my luminaries to jump from level one to level two in DC. Haha, And then, you know, Carter starts off and he jumps to AC. And then I jump AC. Like, it, should that have been a signal to you they're like, oh, geez, two out of three of us are AC. I bet I, I might as well just go AC because I don't want to fight this battle. Because if That's you do fight. that, yeah. then you're not fighting that battle. Now, the only other uh, possibility um, in terms of the game is is what I called small ball, which is what I played in our three player game. Mm-hmm. Okay, our second three player game, which was the the first game that we had played. We all kind of thought the game was rushing up the tech charts and trying to get some patents and then building. So what I did is I inverted that, and I said, I'm just going to go to level two. So I went to level two in AC,
1: and I built in
0: every single level one and level two city on the board. I just kept building and building and building, and it kept jacking my stock value through the roof. Yeah. Because in addition to that, I had also pushed the propaganda for AC fame. And so I was getting huge stock gains, which was leading to huge income. Mm Mm-hmm. At the end of each round, which was giving me the flexibility to continue to build and pay the penalties. In this game, you pay a penalty... For um if you go out of network like if if you try and build in a city that 's right next to one that you 've already supplied power with well that 's no problem, but if you try to skip over cities and and go somewhere else, you have to pay what 's called the the regional reputation penalty yeah and it's it 's kind of a little math thing where it 's like you know you pay uh one thousand or something per city times the phase number, and that 's your penalty right well there 's one luminary that that cuts that in half,
1: yeah. So that's
0: like, yeah, that's like the hop, skip, and jump guy. You know, he's mm-hmm. awesome, right? And he would probably be ideal to play small ball with. Well, I was playing small ball with Edison and AC. And so, you know, maybe if you see two people are invested in AC and they're pushing that technology track, maybe you go to DC and play small ball, you know, and and not worry about the fact that you're never because I only built and I won handily in that game. Yes, you I did. only built. One, I think, level four city. By the time the game was over, mm-hmm. I built all ones and twos, and then I bumped myself up so I could build one. Maybe I think two three,
1: threes, yeah.
0: And then the very last turn of the game, I built a four, and, and I had I had gotten almost to the top of the stock chart in the game. And so, interestingly enough, Carter was right behind me, and you actually ended up not too far behind Carter, but I had had enough money. That I was able to have one more share of stock than the rest of you, and it was just there was there it was it wasn't even close. And so, you know, I I do have some concerns about the three player game. I think I agree with you there. I do wonder if creative play will help you avoid that. You know, I wonder if you do max out on patents and just start, okay, well you guys are gonna, you know, uh you know, you guys are gonna go AC. I'm gonna go A C too, but I'm just gonna buy up every single patent. So every time you build you're paying me. And then maybe that would give you enough money that you could buy that extra share of stock. Because I think getting that extra share of stock is huge in this game. Um, So, you know, I don't know. Um, Now, the four player that I played was much more interesting. The board was, I shouldn't say much more interesting. It just felt a little more even. Because we did end up with 2AC, 2DC. And things kind of leveled out. On that fame track and oftentimes that fame track was right in the middle and so it didn't hurt anybody so it didn't it didn't both, benefit anybody yeah. it didn't hurt anybody and at the end when you build if it's in the center I believe um, you know there, there's there's no bonus there's no but bonus. there's no penalty right and so everybody seemed kind of happy just maintaining the status quo that little ACDC track you know I've enjoyed it because I've made it work to my advantage But I think if I were in your position, I would hate it in the same way that I completely despise the issues track in 1960, the making of the president, which is, you know, you have this huge map of the United States and you're you're trying to win the election from 1960. And um, everything seems to boil down to this little two inch track in the top right hand (laughs) corner of the board where you slide a little marker is is defense on my side or is it neutral or on his side you know is economy on his side or my side and i mean i remember thinking to myself if this is the game this stinking issues track you know what a waste of space i mean make yeah. the whole flipping game the issues track because yeah. i remember thinking to myself i spend so many cards and so much of my time on my turn trying to figure out how to move a cube one block to neutral or one block to my side I, I just I really disliked it and I have a feeling that for you in those two three player games we played I think you were kind of feeling that way about that AC DC track which is you know I'm, I'm building I've got my levels in technology I'm doing everything right but I'm getting kicked around because I'm in DC and they're in AC
1: yeah now I would actually disagree with you from what you said a few minutes ago you said that you know once both players go to AC it might be a good time to jump ship Right. But because in the first phase of that game, you get four actions, that's it. Because you have two lim- Luminaries for right. the first round, two for the second. If I've already invested maybe one or two Luminaries in, a, in DC, in DC mm-hmm. I don't think I can really afford to try and jump ship at that point because that's almost another then entire round where I'm doing nothing that's increasing my stock. I'm doing nothing to get anything else out onto the board it's just it might, not work. Yeah, it, right. it might not work it might not work and you know, know with the few actions that you start off with in that game yes there is that real nice progression but uh, i would almost think you'd have to wait until late in the game to make that jump if you were going to do it at all okay just because it it, it just felt like there weren't enough actions i mean that's that's the hallmark of a pretty good Euro. You, you don't have enough actions to do everything you want. Right, right. But it, it never felt like in Tesla versus Edison, I had just enough time to really do what I wanted to do. So how do I need to modify this plan and make the best of it? And the other thing I wanted to mention was that the beginning of the game, it almost seems like the, the stock gets ignored. Which is very weird because that's when it's cheapest. Considering the game is all about your stock portfolio, um, the beginning of the game is when it's the cheapest. And there were so many times in like the third or fourth round of the game, I wanted to buy stock, but at that point, your stock was too expensive. Right. Or even like Carter's stock was too expensive. And sure, I could buy my own stock, but I'm looking at the track going, well, I'm in last place. Why do I want to <laughs> buy my own stock? I want to buy the stock that's doing well, right, and right. I couldn't do it. So, yeah, yeah, I is. find it interesting that a game where the stock is the winning condition. It is so difficult later on in the game to yeah, actually Yeah, cuz you start at buy. 12, right?
0: You start I think, I think at a value of 12. I think you start at
1: 12 or 13 bucks, something like that. I think you start at a value
0: of 12, which, you know, is $12,000, and I think you're seated with uh 15, 15 right? So yep. 15. So you figure you get yourself a luminary. I mean, maybe your first action is get yourself a luminary and buy a stock, but yeah. that's like sh- that's like throwing a dart at a board, you know? So I it kind of much is. I kind of get your idea here, but if you subscribe to my majority of any stock is better
1: than, than you know,
0: not, than right. being tied. And, and I'm talking about majority as far as number of certificates, mm-hmm. right? Because your director's certificate is worth four, right? And, and I think that's a good choice rather than two. I think it's a good choice to make it four because it really incentivizes you to be invested in your own company, like to try to yeah. do well with your luminary you know your inventor and your company because that's where the majority of your points are going to come from but uh you know as you said all right so if i if i see that the other two players have gone for ac you know maybe what i do is you know i say all right i'm just going to buy a share of stock in one of those two companies mm-hmm. Because if AC is going to be dominant, I want to get in on that. So I'm going to buy a share of stock, get myself a cheap luminary, and you know, move on from there. And then see what happens in you know, that second. Because a lot of times people moving up those tech tracks in the first round of the game, you have to exhaust both of your luminaries. Yep. So if I'm only buying stock, I only have to exhaust one. And then maybe I could use the second one to get a foothold in ac you know but then you're ignoring half of the technology in the game and i don't know if that's really the uh, in the spirit i don't know yeah. so here's what i have to say about it all right after playing it uh three player after i did not even attempt a two player i don't think any stock game works well as a two player so i didn't do it uh this game may be amazing with two but you're gonna have to talk to other people about it because i, I i'm not gonna do it so uh three player and four player um i really enjoy um the presentation of the game i enjoy the luminaries i enjoy the historically based propaganda cards i enjoy whoever cries first loses yeah whoever cries first loses the elephant card (laughs) you know i mean the electric chair you know (laughs) the electric chair yeah the guy who invented the electric chair um you know, I mean, I really enjoy that about the game. The production quality of the game is really, really nice. The cardstock's nice. The components are nice. The board's nice. The money it's, is The awesome. money is nice. Yeah, it's paper. I to it's lick not paper the money. money. No. it's.
1: do <laughs> no. lick the money. ew. You were talking about you know ten year olds licking the components earlier. Don't lick my money. It's
0: cardstock. It is. It's it's, card stock. It is, it's, it's like it. thick cardstock. Like great money. it's actually the only. You know, paper, if you want to call it that, because it's not paper, it's, it's cardstock. It's It's really thick, it's very nice. So, it's actually not <laughs> a pain to use, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's kind of fun. It's chunky to hold in your hands, and uh, it's, you know, the backs are all the same, so that you can hide how much money you have. And I really like it. I mean, I, I like the components, I like the story, I like the theme. Contrary to what people are saying, you know, I didn't feel the theme in the game. I hear that a lot. Like, it it wasn't about Tesla and Edison. Well, sure it is. It's just Tesla and Edison as entrepreneurs. Tesla and Edison as as two people, um, along with the other, you know, uh, inventors who are depicted in the game. You know, these are people who are trying to push forward the technology, who are trying to be successful, to be the first one in, you know, uh, on the ground floor. I mean, how many... You know, that, that Men Who Made America series that I talked about, right? I mean, you, you think about Rockefeller getting in on kerosene, you know? You think about Vanderbilt and shipping and rail, you know, being the first one to kind of really understand the importance of that. Um, you, you think about, uh, uh, you know, Microsoft, you know, or Apple, you know? Who, how many of us have sat around and said, oh, man, if I'd have just known, I'd have <laughs> bought Apple stock when they were still, the, you know, the, the, the little computers that only schools
1: bought, Right back in You know, cuz before yeah.
0: the iPod, I mean, you know, Apple shares were were nothing, you know. They that company was in danger of going under multiple times, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, or, you know, Microsoft, and you know, you you see DOS and you're like, oh, this is this is going to be the future. You know, well, it takes someone a visionary, not just an inventor, but an entrepreneur and someone who can surround themselves with the right people, you know, backers, bankers, other inventors, other people who have other expertise. And so to me, the game really does feel thematic in that sort of race for what is going to be the dominant technology for electricity because that's going to be the game. That, that will be the game for the yeah. future. And so, you know, I found that the the theme kind of came through. Um, I really enjoyed that part of it. I like the way the luminaries and the inventors were rated. I like their special abilities. I felt those were very thematic, you know. Uh, Tesla, for example, ignores those kind of invention requirements. He's just so freaking inventive, he can just basically do whatever he wants. He ignores lightning bolt requirements, yeah, right?
1: Something like that. Yeah. But
0: the dude has no money. He's got no money. And he's terrible <laughs> at like, you know, crafting things, you right. know. His engineering, you know, <laughs> is like a one, you know. <laughs> so he's terrible at that. So he needed to surround himself. He needed Westinghouse, you know, he yep. needed someone to come along and help him out. And so I found that to be very thematic. I really enjoyed that. Uh, I like the fact that it's a a stock game at heart because I love stock games, probably because I do well with them. So I love the fact that it's a stock game. Um, My only concerns are over the three-player experience, and I haven't had a chance to play five. I think five will self-level just because of the competition for everything, but I really don't know what I'm talking about there. So. I haven't even tried that,
1: and that board opens up a lot. It though, does. With it five. does. So there's a lot more space on that board.
0: There is a lot more space, um, you know. So I wonder at the odd player counts if you're going to have that ACDC problem. That's really the only thing. The only other issue that I saw um, that that could potentially be a problem. And you and I talked about this when no one took Tesla. No one took Tesla as mm-hmm. their inventor at the start yep. of the game, and I remember saying, hmm. I wonder what this flop of luminaries is gonna be, because you only get so many of them, you don't see them all. And I said, Boy, wouldn't it stink to be Tesla and have not a single luminary come up with any with dollar,
1: any dollar yes. no
0: dollar rating. And sure enough, none of them had it. We, we had a flop come up <laughs> where we had luminaries in there, not a single one of them had a dollar rating on them. And it's like, wow, if I'd have taken Tesla, I might have felt a little hosed there. I'd have been like, right. Wow, you know. What exactly am I going to be able to I'm going to be able to jump up technology, but unless that luminary's got a great gear rating, because Tesla's gear rating isn't very good, you know, it doesn't matter that Tesla can do unlimited lightning bolt, because every time you want to jump from one level of technology to another, there's a requirement in lightning bolts and gears, gears, okay? And you have to meet those. So Tesla kind of theoretically could, like, meet almost anything, right, in lightning bolt, but he only had, like, I think one gear. Yep. And so he's not very good. And if you have a Luminary that doesn't have gears or that doesn't have any money, you're going to be kind of stuck. Like you're going to be creeping up the AC track as Tesla. Um, and so that was something that I could see possibly rubbing some people the wrong way if that happened. So, you know, that's something else that I, I would say to keep in mind. So for me, I really kind of think this, the, the, the problems in the game are outweighed by how much fun I had playing it. And so, I really feel that i'm I give this game a thumbs up, I really enjoy it, um but I didn't have the experiences that you did no you know, I, didn't. I didn't have the experiences in three player games of being locked out um and feeling like you're you're being kicked in the head over and over again uh by people who just don't care to help you in any way, shape or form because yeah. you're in the wrong technology, yeah, and it sounds like you know for you you might want to play it as a four player and, you know, see whether or not that solves that problem for you because it sounds like otherwise you're not really so sure about this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the other thing that I would like to try and do, and Zach mentioned this after we had played, which I thought was hysterical. One of the other things you can do in the game as a stock action is you can sell stock. Yes. And when you sell stock, the value of the stock that you sell drops an entire column. Yes, it does. Yeah. And he looked at me and he's like, you know, I wonder what would have happened if somebody had just at the last round sold all their stock in their company and just tanked it for everybody else. <laughs> right. And I was like, wow. Yeah, that's I mean. I actually yeah. want to try that. Yeah, yeah. Because if you invest heavily in every other player's company, right, right. And then at the very end of the game, sell your four shares, your. your uh, preferred share back.
0: Well, you can't sell your preferred share. Oh, you can't sell your you preferred share. You can't sell your preferred share. preferred share, but you can sell the other share. So if you think about the last yeah. three-player game we played, Carter was right behind me, yeah, right? he was. Uh, in stock value, right? So if you or Car, you know, like let's say if you had sold your share of Edison, which you had. Oh, yeah, I had one. That would have actually tanked my stock value a full column. If yeah. Carter had sold his, that had tanked it again a yeah. full column. And then it might have been interesting to see what happened. I still yeah. think having four shares of something trading at 55 is going to overpower two shares of something trading at 60, you know, or 62. Yeah. But I think it might have tightened those scores up uh, at the very yeah, end. Maybe and it's, a little bit. It's a very mean thing to try, which is kind of nifty <laughs> too. So. Um, You know, because I only ever really look at selling shares to raise capital to buy shares of something that I want later in the game because it's so difficult to have enough money to buy shares because they get so ridiculously expensive as the game goes on that you almost have to consider dumping a share in a company that's really not doing well, which, of course, tanks that company even further in order to buy a share of something that you want. Uh, But again, I think that's going to make, you know, that person – feel very put upon you know because look i'm already in last place yeah and you're gonna hit it's like now you're gonna throat punch me
1: right like if you guys had done that with my shares (laughs) i might have just gotten up and walked away that's it i'm out (laughs) Feel free to add your scores up. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm
0: done. Yeah, and you're a very calm player. I am so, a pretty calm um, player. I've only yeah. ever
1: rage quit on a game twice. Yeah, yeah. Twice? That was only once. No, really twice. One, once. one was one Indonesia.
0: Was cosmic, yeah, and one was Cosmic Encounter. And one encounter. was Cosmic yeah.
1: Encounter. Yeah. <laughs> and Indonesia, yeah. I sat there and I played the rest of the game, but I was just mentally out. I'm like, my you're turn. Like, I pass. There's yeah. my turn. I pass. Yeah, yeah. And you're going. You can do this. I'm like, no, I pass.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that cosmic tough, encounter. I really I like left Indonesia. That game. I really like Indonesia a lot. <laughs> um, all right. So it sounds like we've got a little bit of a, a mixed feel on this. I really kind of uh, like it. You're a little uncertain. I think there's definitely some things that I would love to hear from others who have played the game, uh, in particular about that three-player experience and the five-player. Um since I don't have any experience with the 5 uh yeah. you know this may just end up being one of those games that really shines at 4. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that may be its best player count. Um you know unless someone can convince me that there is a viable winning strategy for someone who invests in the quote unquote wrong technology at the start of the game, you know, I I don't know. Maybe uh, that idea of of buying shares early, yeah. you know, maybe that would be a way. I don't know. But here's the thing all right, the last thing I want to say about this game. So you and I both actually are a little concerned there might be some issues with it. But the cool thing about it is while we're sitting here saying that there may be issues, mm-hmm. we're coming up with, even as we talk through this, yeah. ideas of things we would want to try to see if you could combat that or if you could counteract that. Yeah. And so I kind of like the fact that the game is interesting enough that I want to try different things. Like there's different avenues and approaches, you know, Um, like that small ball strategy where, you know, I mean, that was that took you and Carter completely by surprise. You know, the the fact that I just was not, I didn't care about technology at all. I just build, 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 price myself out of your reach. I had four shares in that. You guys had Zippo. Yep. And, you know, as long as I could hold you off when I ran out of places to build, which I was able to do. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that, that was going to be a victory. And so I like that the game seems to reward creative thinking. Yeah. Um, but I'm, you know, I, I want to hear from other people how they feel about it. So, listen, The War of Currents, a game that uh, was released by Artana Games, designer Dirk Niemeyer. So the next game that we're going to be talking about tonight is another brand new title. came out at Gen Con, and this one is called Discoveries. This is a game that was released in 2015. Uh, the designer is listed as Cedric. Uh, I'm going to do my best here. I'm going to guess at the French pronunciation. I believe this is French. So Cedric Chabousset, and the artist I'm going to guess as Vincent Dutre. Um, it's either Dutre or Dutrate. I'm going to go with the Dutre. Um, this uh, publisher is is for two to four players, and basically what this game is, uh, I think what it was so known for and so hyped for was the fact that this was kind of a sequel to the very fascinating game Lewis and Clark, which came out I think about two years ago, and that was just, you know, that's one of my favorite that is my favorite race game, period. Okay, other than maybe Thunder Alley, all right? Yeah. But uh, at heart, Lewis and Clark is a race game, but it's also an incredibly unique deck builder where the cards are multi-purposed. I mean, anything that scratches that multi-purpose card itch, um, you know, like Carl Chuddock, the kind of mad scientist of board game design here. Um, I really absolutely adore, and so Lewis and Clark had this wonderful hand management, multi-use cards, tough choices, um, trying to navigate along a course to you know be the first uh, to reach the Pacific Ocean. I mean, it was it's this amazing game, but makes your head hurt. Like not a very easy game to play, <laughs> but beautifully done. The artwork was simply gorgeous. I mean, yeah. I reacted to the artwork in this game the way I you know, react to, like, Michael Menzel's artwork when I think about games like uh, uh, Pillars of the Earth or Stone Age or, yeah. you know, those, I mean, his his board art and um, tile art, card art, I mean, beautiful, beautiful stuff. And so uh, this artist here, uh, I hope I'm saying the name uh, right, Vincent Dutre, uh, Gorge, unbelievable, almost matchless artwork, uh, and, and, and just so beautifully done with uh, the sort of Uh, Native American cards and uh, the care that it looks like he took in in the illustration trying to be accurate and uh, just absolutely wonderful stuff so uh, and then I heard that the game was basically being done with dice so it was a dice version and I thought to myself oh my god my wife is gonna love this because she loves dice games and so this was one of my Hot, like I want to try and get this at at Gen Con, and it didn't look like it was going to happen. And then you (laughs) actually were there when they dropped off like a pallet, like late in the con. It was like Saturday or Sunday or something, wasn't it? It was Saturday afternoon. It was Saturday afternoon. And all of a sudden, they're like,
1: somebody said at like noon they had just gotten another shipment or something. Yeah, fifty copies. So when our shift was over at, at Stronghold Stable, we just know, ran over there. Well, yeah. I, ran, I ran. Over I over there. I was and you in had a meeting. Yeah. out somewhere, I was
0: in a meeting, and yeah. I
1: sent you a text going, "Hey, they've got discoveries. Uh-huh. Can I get you one? Yes, please." I, I actually like liked I liked those voices. You like, Hey, I don't, who actually talks like that? Well, that, that that's voice kind of probably what I was hey, thinking, as I thinking. I was texting, Oh, okay. Hey, hey, like, hey, you know, big boy. I, can I get mean, you okay. a Discovery. Yeah, yeah. It was, was awesome. I was sitting in a demo, and you're like, yes, please. I'm like, all right, I'm leaving the demo. Yes. I'm going to go get it for you. Yeah, yeah.
0: Totally, but, totally ditch a demo uh, yeah, in favor of that. So, thankfully, <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, uh, we, we ended up liking the game uh, oh, yes. for, for Lloyd this demo. So, you know, I spent a good 10, 15 minutes talking about... Uh, how Tesla versus Edison is played. So I wanted to kind of turn this one over to you to give uh, people a break from my vocal takes and my voice. So can you uh, tell us, Lloyd, a little bit about Discoveries, how it's played, what the goals are, things of that nature, so that people understand?
1: Oh, sure. So when I opened the box and I I punched the pieces out, I was really surprised to see that the game is entirely uh, different colored dice and a single deck of cards. Mm -hmm. Now, you have this really cool little player mat and the player mat has this rectangular area that you punch out and that's essentially where your dice go once you roll them. Now, as I'm sure a lot of us are familiar with, a typical dice game is going to give you multiple opportunities to maybe re-roll your dice, almost do like a push your luck if you don't like what you get. Uh, In this game, Discoveries, you roll your dice and whatever you get is what you get. And they go right into that little player spot on your player board And then for your actions, you may use all of one type of dice. So you've got different icons. You've got icons that look like handwriting, which are the most important ones. Those are your journal icons. You've got ones that are the American Indian head. And interesting aside on that, uh, the first thing it says in the rulebook is that it's going to be referencing All of the Indians in the game, not as Native Americans, but actually as American Indians, because in the latest poll taken by natives of the country, they actually prefer more than 50%, they prefer the term American Indian over the term Native American. I think maybe like 30% preferred Native American, and the remaining, you know, like 15 to 20% actually preferred Indian. So the rulebook references them as American Indians. But so you've got the American Indian icon on the dice. You've got an icon that kind of looks like feet. Indian head icons are used to actually let you collect the cards out of the game. And then last but not least, you have this journal icon, and the journal is what lets you keep cards that you've traveled across as part of your score. So just like with the game Lewis and Clark... All of the cards in this game are multi use. And it's really cool because one side of the card shows you some sort of topography that has like a little path on it. Now, the path could be uh, going through the wilderness or possibly going across mountains. I'm sorry, I believe it was rivers and mountains. Yeah, waters, valleys. So, valleys and mountains. And you can have anywhere from two spots to at the most, maybe six spots on the back of the card that you would have to traverse. Those cards range in value, I think, from two points up to like eight or nine if I don't if I remember correctly. So obviously the, the harder cards that might have six or maybe even seven icons on the back you have to traverse, those are going to be worth a lot more points. But the smaller ones that only have one or two icons, like they're going to be worth two points. You also have on the back of these cards uh, the, the TP symbol. And at the very end of the game, you get to add up all of the TP symbols on all the cards you've collected. Whoever has the majority uh, gets, I think, 12 points. Yeah. Whoever has uh, second place gets six points. And anybody beyond that, you don't get anything for it. You also have four different colored icons, and these are supposed to represent the different types of animals and wildlife and environments and things that Lewis and Clark were expected to see and write about historically in the journal as they went across this new landscape. So you've got, uh, I believe, the wildlife icon, you've got the birds icon, you've got an icon for fish, And then you've got an icon that just looks like plants, and that's supposed to be the vegetation and, you know, possibly edible plants or possibly just new types of trees they would have encountered. At the end of the game, for every set of those four icons, meaning one of each, you get a ton of points. But if you only have three of them, you still get points. If you only have two of them, you still get points. Even if you have a single one, you're still getting a little bit of points towards the end of the game. So... When the deck is built at the start, depending on the number of players, a random number, I think it's 10 per player that's not in the game, is removed from that deck. So if you're playing with all four players, there's 50 cards. If you're only playing with three players, you take out 10. If you're playing with two players, you take out 20. And you don't know what those cards are that have been taken out. So those icons on the back can be very important, especially early on in the game, because if that's the only bird icon in that entire deck and you can snatch it up, well, good job for you, because you're probably going to score more points for those icons than your opponent. Now, the reverse side of that shows different American Indian tribes and different abilities that they're going to give you during the game as you, I don't want to say recruit them, but as you befriend them in the game. Now, everybody starts off at the beginning of the game on your player board with the ability to travel a certain number of river spaces and a certain number of the mountain spaces already built onto your player board. As you collect more of these American Indian tribes, they're going to either give you the ability to kind of mix and match on that one card, whether you're using water or whether you're using mountains, Sometimes they'll let you use both. Sometimes they're just a big, huge boost. I think the one game that I played, I uh, befriended a tribe, and they gave me the, the ability to move four water, and I had to use one horseshoe die to do it. And that was beautiful, because in a game where your dice are your resources, and the fact that you only are ever allowed to put out one type of die on your turn well, if I can take all of the horseshoe dice that I have and put one on that card, now it's ready to go, put my other horseshoe dice maybe somewhere else and they're ready to go, then at the start of my next turn, if I have enough of those journal dice, I'm going to be able to do something really big. So at any rate, getting back into the, the play. So you have these cards, and as you uh, befriend them, you're going to keep them in front of you, and now you've opened up more spots for where these dice go. So how do you use the dice? Well, like I explained a moment ago, once you roll those dice, you're going to leave them set. And then when it's your turn to take an action, you're going to look at the, the, the dice faces that you see, and you may use all of one type of icon. Now, the only kind of caveat to that is, if you have a lot of those journal icons, you cannot place those journal icons into the spots for the journal icons on any of your cards or on your board because you're essentially using those to write about something. And if you haven't actually added the foot icons to show that you traveled or the horseshoe icons to show that you traveled, well, then you haven't traveled that distance yet and you can't write about something you haven't done. So I'm going to look at my dice, and maybe I have a lot of these foot icons. I can take those three or four dice, however many there are, and I can use them in a variety of ways. If I put them into a spot, whether it's a card or my board, that shows the foot icon, they're gonna stay locked on that spot until I complete the rest of the dice required in that area. The only spot that's different is there is a place where you can change by turning one die into the center, you can change any two dice you have reserved into whatever you want. So if I'm looking and I need a lot of those feet dice, and I only have maybe one or two of them, I could spend an American Indian head die and change some of my other dice to match and show those feet dice, and now I have maybe three or four of them to use later. You have a spot on the board uh, where you can actually swap out whatever the current card is that you have that you're trying to travel through. Then you have these American Indian head dice where you're using them to befriend from the display in the center of the table one of the tribes, and they immediately come to you. Now, I mentioned that you're, you're trying to traverse different areas. At the start of the game, and every time you complete a card after that, everybody starts off by taking one of the three face-up cards from the display that shows the territory you're moving through. So you're going to look at these territories and you're going to say, you know, do do I want to go for the big points, even though it might take a while? Am I going to maybe go for something that's quick and easy that I can do? And then that card goes in the upper right spot of your player board and that's currently what you're working on. So let's assume that I took something easy and I've got three river icons on there and that's gonna give me four points. Yeah, you know, that, That's a pretty easy one. That means until I completely travel using dice and then using journals, three or more water spaces, that, that card's gonna stay there. And that, that's kind of like my goal. Once I complete that card, by using that journal die to complete that movement and write about it, that card goes into my score pile. And then I immediately get to draw a new card from the display of three, or I believe maybe even the top card off of the draw pile, I don't remember. And that goes immediately into that upper right spot. Now that's the next location that I'm going to be trying to travel through. The cool thing is, though, in the game, if you can work it so that you can not only complete the card that you have in front of you, but you can also immediately complete the travel requirements of a card that's in the display, you get to do that, and then you get to take another turn. And Jeff and I kind of had the interesting discussion about this, you know. Do you really set yourself up for... The, the opportunity to go for those high-value cards, and that's going to take a lot of dice to do that? Or do you set yourself up to do these really small ones so that you can do two cards at a time and, you know, maybe even get a second turn after that? The game ends as soon as the last card is claimed out of that display of three cards, and then one more person needs to take a card and there's nothing left for them to take. At that point, you're going to look through your journal stack. These are all the cards that you traveled through throughout the game and you put into a score pile. You're going to add up the value of the cards themselves. You're going to add up all of those bonuses you get from those four different icons. And then you're also going to look around and see who has the most points from those TP icons And at that point, whoever has the most points wins the game. I don't remember if there was a tiebreaker or not, and I'm pretty sure there was, and I don't remember whether you beat me on a tiebreak the first time we played it, but that's probably a different game I'm thinking of. I don't
0: quite remember if there was a tiebreak in that or not, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean... Well, I appreciate you giving the overview of the game because uh, it, it's uh, not the easiest game to explain, but boy, it's a whole lot easier to explain than Lewis
1: and Clark, yeah? It certainly is, and it, it plays so much smoother. Um, you know, this is, I don't know if I would call this a gateway dice game, but it's, no, it's... it's close. It's pretty close because it removes the whole pressure luck thing that a lot of these, like, lightweight dice games yeah, really that offer, mechanic, yeah like there's no Yahtzee mechanic in this at all but it gives you some great great decisions like a good euro does right because of how you have to use these dice and that you can only spend one icon at a time mm-hmm, on your mm-hmm. turn unless you have a card
0: that breaks unless that. you have a card mm-hmm.
1: that breaks that and uh, there was one thing that I didn't mention. On your turn, yeah,
0: you're getting your some, dice back. Yeah, yeah, getting
1: your dice back. So on your turn, anytime you have to spend a die, and there's a little arrow in the dice slot that it goes to, showing you have to spend it. You're not just placing it there; you actually spend it. Anytime you spend a die, it goes into the center of the table on one side or the other...
0: On the big board, the, 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 the main board. board the and, main and, and big board. Is, a, is a loose word here. It's a, it's yeah. a lovely little small board. It nice shows a river, board. and there's two banks. One side of the bank is for a Native American and journal, I think. Yeah. right? And then the other is for horseshoes and feet. And feet or, yep. or maybe it's... I don't know. I don't remember. Something I don't like have it that. in front of me. But yeah, so when you spend those dice, they go there. And one of the things you can do on your turn, instead of placing dice out on the spots, is you can claim dice. So you can do one of a couple of different things. You can take all of the dice, whether they're your color or not, from the right-hand bank or from the left-hand bank, right? Yep. Or you can call all of your dice back, okay? And so if someone had claimed one of your dice earlier, you just take it from them, okay? So you'll take all of your dice in your color back. And so... That can be a particularly nasty move sometimes. That
1: can, because if they have that already locked into a mm-hmm, spot on their mm-hmm. board, you just take it because yeah, they yeah. haven't completed that action Right,
0: yet. and now you've kind of deprogrammed that move, and yes, it, they're, they're going to have to invest a bunch more dice in order to get it. So uh, quickly, I think players learn not to do that, if at yes. all possible, because it's so risky. Um, the other thing uh, that I'm not sure if you talked about was you know when you, when you take an American Indian card, Okay. You get what you get a, a gray die. They're yeah. like these neutral colored dice. And the gray dice represent your native allies that you've now kind of um rec- you know like you said they're, they're your friends now. They're right. they're your help, you know, they're going to be helping you. Um and so you have these gray dice. And so the gray dice are really interesting because again, they have the same faces as your colored dice. But uh, they often will end up working their way to that center board, and then people will just kind of snatch them up. Right. Uh, And there's no way really to get those back. So a lot of times you're more likely to spend your own colored dice knowing you can get those back and trying to hold on to the gray dice, right? Right. The problem is, is that there's only so many gray dice per the number of players in the game. And what happens is, is since you get a gray die every time someone claims an American Indian card... What ends up happening is if there's no dice to take, then you take a gray die from whoever has the most gray dice. And so, again, you know, that can be particularly devastating if you time that right and someone has used... Uh, you know a gray die uh, to program a movement on the board and um, they're about ready to do something amazing maybe complete two cards in one turn yep. and you say oh look I just got a uh, American Indian card hey hey give me a you hey, know cough a up die. a die now the player who has to cough it up does get to choose so if you have one available it's, it's not that bad but boy if you don't have one available and you have to pull it I mean that's just as painful as when someone pulls their colored dice uh, from you so uh, that's kind of how the dice are cycled in the game, and it's one of the more interesting parts of the game, And is management of your dice, because they are your resources. They really are. Yeah. And yet the game also has that nice mechanism in there that you can't hoard dice, because if you do, either people are going to call back their dice, or you know they're going to purposefully uh, go out and grab some, some American Indian allies, which are going to then rip those dice from you as well. So yeah. It's a really interesting kind of uh, dynamic that's set up with that game. So... Um, You know, the fact that the cards are double-sided, and sometimes you're going to be using a card as a native ally, mm-hmm. and sometimes you're going to be using it as a path, mm-hmm. and because every game is kind of different, the number of cards removed is different, mm-hmm. then, you know, there's a huge amount of variety that I've seen in the cards, you know, there there are cards that i I still get surprised by i'll see a card i'm like whoa what's this x root card you know Mm -hmm, that i didn't even see before you know what's up with that or um you know you'll you'll see something it's like wow it's seven water you know it's like seven water moving that's crazy (laughs) you know but i've got the guy that for one horseshoe and a journal die gets me four and then i can use another horseshoe and a journal to get me three there's my seven i'm done you know oh and look at that card over there that's only two mountains i could program that you know and so it leads to these really interesting kind of uh, combos and yes. lots of opportunities for clever play. So, you know, I have found that everyone that I've showed this game to has enjoyed it, has liked oh, it.
1: definitely. I um, say that, too.
0: You know, uh, my, my buddy Matt that we played this game with at the WBC, he was a little frustrated. He thought there might be a little bit of a disadvantage to being the last player um, in, in you know the sort of the turn order, and that he kind of felt like he was starved of dice. That by the time it got back to him, if there were a lot of dice sitting on the middle board, someone had already grabbed them. But he wasn't sure of that, and and I haven't really seen that. Um, I kind of think that you know it's really kind of a, a matter of when to time grabbing dice from the center, because one of the things that Lloyd didn't—I uh, don't think you mentioned—is. Um, you do have to often give up dice when you're programming your move, if you want to think of it that way. All right, I'm, I have to give up three feet dice to go over two mountains, right? Two of them go to the center, one stays on the board. And then when I complete it with that journal die, okay, those two dice at the end of that movement get picked up and re rolled and put back in my center uh, cutout. So you do kind of get to recycle your dice, you just have to lose some of them. So you're not yeah. like, hemorrhaging dice all the time uh you will have to recall dice certainly at least a few times in the game at least yeah but um you know it's not that you won't have any options you know so uh and, and also i think that there's some there's other clever things that i've found you know during the course of the game I mean, a lot of times people get locked into you know oh i'm gonna put out feet this turn and so I need three feet for this area and I need one foot for this other card that I have over here that lets me change a mountain into a river or something like that, right? And so they'll put out those, those dice. And they have another foot, but they're like, well, I'm done. I've, I've programmed my movement. It's like, well, no, you could take that foot die and put it on the action on your board that allows you to change. You know, you give up one die in order to turn two other dice to a face that you actually want. Well, you're still just using feet dice to activate it, so that's totally fine. Or, um, you know, I've seen players who just roll nothing but American Indian uh, icons, right? And so they're like, okay, well, I'll place one here to uh, recruit this friendly tribe to be my ally, um, and I'm done. It's like, no, you can take those three American Indian dice and put them... To help you cross mountains, because there's not actually a foot icon, it's a question mark, which means right. it could be anything as long as they're the same.
1: Yeah, three of a kind.
0: Three of a kind. Right. And so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of watch players, like after that first game, kind of start to see those things. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. using all of the dice of that face, I actually have more options than just putting them on this one spot. I mean, that's actually kind of suboptimal in many ways. If you can use you know, dice, uh, multiple dice on a turn, it's always going to end up being better than just, you know, plopping one down and say, well, there's my horseshoe, you know. Yeah. Now, sometimes that's what you got to do. But a lot of times, if you can kind of manipulate it, think ahead, look at what else you might be trying to accomplish, you can actually do a couple of different things, you know, with one die. So, uh, a one die type, I should say. So, yeah. I really enjoy that about that game. So, you know, for me... This game scratches that Lewis and Clark itch. It doesn't replace it for me. But this is a game that I can, like, pull out with anybody and have a reasonable chance of teaching it and them enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Lewis and Clark hurts the first game. A lot of AP, a lot of just, what can I do? How do I use this card? Why am I flipping this? What, how, who, what... What do you mean I have to go backwards? I thought I did. I, I got all yeah. the way up here, and now I'm all the way back there. Well, because you had too much equipment, or you had too right. many cards yeah. in your hand when you made camp. What? Yeah. And it's very difficult to kind of wrap your mind around, but it's rewarding when you do.
1: It certainly is,
0: yeah. This game, you know, it's just pretty straightforward. It's clever. It uh, gives you interesting choices and decisions. There's tension there. You know, about do I spend this turn recalling dice or do I put this one here because I'm looking at what she's doing and based on what she's programmed, I think she's actually going to try to do two cards and one of them is the one that I desperately want (laughs) when I complete my card on my next turn so if I delay by going and grabbing these juicy dice from the left bank of the river... Now she'll probably complete hers, and if she grabs ah, what do I do? Well, maybe it's better to just complete this one card so that I can snag the card that I want next because that's got the leaf icon, which yeah. is the last one I need in the set. And so you, you have all of these kind of thoughts running through your head while you're playing the game, and there's definitely competition. Oh yeah. And there's definitely a little bit of meanness in it. Not a ton, I, but I, a little bit. I did it a couple times too. Yeah, yeah, game. yeah. There's, there's a little bit of meanness in it, which is which is kind of refreshing for a euro. And uh, you know, again, the artwork, the presentation, the footprint, the footprint of the game is awesome. I mean oh, yeah. it's it's very small, very it's compact. Small, yeah. Um I there's really nothing about this game at this point, and I've probably played this between the WBC, uh, my play at Gen Con. My plays here at home with my wife, primarily as a two-player, I've probably played this thing already like 10, 12 times. I've played this game a lot, and I haven't gotten tired of it, haven't gotten bored of it. It's not anything I'm ready to move along. Mm -hmm. Um, Every time I play it, I find some other interesting things kind of happening. So uh, for me, this is a big thumbs up. What are your impressions as as kind of a a final thoughts and review?
1: I, I really enjoyed this game as well, and I haven't played it nearly as much as you have, but... You know, for all the reasons that you've already said, this is this is a winner for me because the artwork's fantastic. It's it's a quick game, but it still gives you that nice weight of a good euro. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the components are fantastic. I love the artwork, the fact that the cards are double sided. Yeah, the variety you get and. Another side note that the fifty two or fifty eight cards or however many are in there, you know every American Indian tribe on the back side of that card is completely different, so there are actually all unique cards in there right with right. unique abilities. so every time I play this game, my strategy is going to be totally different because I'm not going to be able to collect the exact same uh tribe cards that I would have collected the game before. And even if I could, maybe I don't want to because I want to try a different path and I want to see if there's a different way that I can get an engine up and running and, right, right. you know, see what happens.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're, you're right about that, that the, the game is going to kind of, those, those especially those original, I'd say the first like nine native cards, right? The first nine Indian cards, because yeah. you know, there's three always on display. And those first nine cards are really going to determine kind of the engines for the players in that game, you know, um, because basically all of them are going to be upgrades to your basic movement choices, you yep. know. Uh, on your board, yeah, you have the ability to cross three water. Um, it's going to cost you, um, you know, uh, whatever it is, maybe a three water. No, three water might be the horseshoe one, but like, okay, yeah. you know, I want to cross two mountains I have, to, I have to use three dice, two of which are gone, yep. plus my journal die. So that's a total of four dice that I have to use in order to move two mountains. Well, the first native card I snag might be one that says, hey, for a native and a horseshoe and, a, and a, journal. a journal die, you get to move three mountains. And you're like, oh, well, that's considerably better because I'm not coughing up any dice to the center. Yeah. I'm going to get to recycle those, and it's one die less. And even though the faces are different, which takes it longer to be programmed, it's still better. You know, and so right. you, you, you quickly kind of determine, like, you know, all right, so this game, I'm really good at moving across water. Or this game, I'm really good at moving across mountains. Or this game, I'm really flexible, but only for short distances. Like, I can't do those big, huge cards. But I can do all those cards that everybody shies away, like, three mountains and, you know, two water, A yuck. You know, like, (laughs) nobody wants to deal with that card. You know, those five, six, seven point cards. Well, I might be the king of the middling cards because... I happen to have some ally cards that are really going to be helpful and effective at moving across that type of terrain. And so there, there ends up being these different kind of engines and, and different kind of strategies and ideas that you use. And then, of course, people are always gunning for the TP advantage at the end,
1: yep. and they're
0: always gunning for those sets. Uh, because you can get the sets of those four icons, you know, the deer, the deer head, the fish, the leaf, and the, uh, the bird. Uh, the, the bird. Everybody knows that the bird is the word. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Everybody's heard.
0: The bird is the word. All right, anyway, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it, it's always played out a little differently, and mm-hmm. it's always tense, and it's always fun. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty clear that we both like this game. So Definitely. that is uh, our take a look and review for uh, Discoveries 2015 by uh, Cedric Chabusey, uh art by Vincent Dutre. Uh, Asmodee Editions for two to four players definitely check out Discoveries. Well, that's about all the time we have for this episode of Quick Looks. Uh, Quick Looks number six was recorded on Tuesday, August 18th. And, of course, I want to thank uh, my sponsors, uh, Gamesurplus.com. I want to thank the Dice Tower. And, of course, I want to thank the Gamer's Edge in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, conveniently located off of Interstate 80, right there in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, on Main Street. Go and check them out. So, for Lloyd Keller and myself, I want to say thanks to everybody out there for listening, and have a great night.